Hey everyone, and welcome to Spoiled. This is a spoiler cast from Sifted Games at Sifted.net, but we don't just talk games on this show. We talk about full seasons of TV shows, films, and much more. This week we're tackling the third season of Ozark, and here to discuss it with me is Mitch Sikorsky. What's going on, Mitch? Nothing much, just enjoying some Ozark. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I always have. The funny part about this show is it's very hard to get people to watch it. I don't know why. Uh, the quarantine has helped with that, but man, I've recommended this show to people for literally years. And it's been I'm very, in the same boat, man. Like I think very difficult I, to get I've people heard, to watch it. But I've heard this show been talked about so much from people in quarantine. That's like one of the first shows that pop off their head, right? When quarantine started, I kept hearing someone say, Did you watch Ozark on cable television? And so I'm like, Okay. Finally. You yeah. got it going. Yep. So anyway, fair warning, this is a spoiler cast. We're, we're going to spoil pretty much every major plot point uh, from season three of Ozark. Uh, just a reminder, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. Kick us a buck or two if you'd like every month. It helps with us producing shows just like this one. And if you don't have money, you can also help us with Twitch Prime, which is just basically linking your Amazon Prime account with your Twitch account and then subscribing to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's get straight into season three of Ozark. However, I, I do want to start by recapping a little bit. Now, I realize most people who are going to listen to this have already watched season three, um, and they probably know most of this, but I think we need to kind of set the scene for season three um, by recapping very quickly season two and giving an overall kind of plot synopsis. Uh, Ozark is about a family that gets mixed up with some bad people and moves to the Ozarks to launder money for various nefarious, nefarious organizations. Uh, once they get there, all hell breaks loose. It's a four-person family. You have Marty, who's the, uh, who's the father. You have Wendy, who's the mom. And then you have two kids, um, and the kids are tweens, I guess you would say. What they're probably like 13 to 17, something like that. Yeah, one's just late high school. One is late middle school, it seems like, for, for the two kids. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the usual stuff that comes along with having kids while you're laundering money for drug cartels. <laughs> uh, and so season two mostly was about the birds trying to find new ways to launder more money. And so they entered into a couple businesses. There was like a a restaurant slash cottage hotel that they were involved in. Um, there was a strip a club. Station. It's a gas and, station too. And, oh, that's right. And a gas station. <laughs> they were involved in a strip club. By the end of season two, their big goal was to open a riverboat casino to launder money. And by the end of that season, they had basically through cunning and literally murder had managed to, secure the licenses they need they needed for the casino and the final episode was in fact the sort of ceremony to celebrate uh, the casino so that leads us into season three the casino is open and not only is the casino open due to some things that happened in season two the FBI is investigating the casino and not undercover they are overtly investigating the casino so much so that an agent is there every day kind of monitoring the operations of the casino. And I will say this, I thought this was the weakest 
plot thread of season three. The whole casino, the FBI is investigating. They do, he does end up building a repertoire and kind of a relationship with the FBI agent, which makes me wonder if maybe there's something involving her maybe in season four, maybe him and her having a personal relationship outside of the context that we've seen so far. But otherwise, I thought that that plot line was, I don't know, just felt like it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I am slightly agree with you, but slightly I don't. I mean, I, I think it was meant as, a, as another tool in Marty's toolbox to kind of play with and manipulate to get what he wants. And so using a negative thing in front of him and turning it into something that he could use positively for himself, I think that's the whole point of kind of like the show in general for him. And so I think that was just another opportunity for him to kind of mess with more things. And it, I mean, logistically, it makes really, sense. Wait, really. Yeah. So that's how you take the Marty character in this show. You think he's doing everything for himself. Uh, well, I think we, well, in this season, we really find out what Marty, what really makes Marty tick. And it's really just, he wants to win. He just doesn't like to lose. He wants to beat the system. Um, they showed it. See, when I took. I, I have a completely different opinion on Marty. Well, that's that's Wendy in this season. No, I mean they. Oh, absolutely. They, she went around him. She she wanted to expand the business into the cartel. He did not, and she oh, went around no, him. I, oh yeah, of course. But once he realized he had to use the FBI because there is no going back, he realized she took them too far. At towards the end of season three. He then used it as a positive. In the beginning, yes, the FBI was kind of just there. It was a nuisance. But once Marty had to realize that, you know, they're in this for the long haul now, they have to, like, the whole statement of the, the season, we're in it, is, you know, he used them to his advantage. And throughout the, you know, we learn from that time when he got captured by the drug cartel and was tortured that, like, what, it, what did Marty want? Marty wants to win. That's the most important thing to him. See, I, I have a completely different interpretation of season three. That's Wendy. Wendy's the one who wants to win at all costs. And we'll get to later where she really shows that she wants to win at all costs. Marty in this season, on the other hand, to me, every decision he made was to protect his family and to do what was best for his family. And that was a flip from season two. Season two, he was the person that you're talking about. But he had the change of heart. And the roles were reversed in season three. Wendy became the cutthroat, the one who wanted to work more with the cartel, the one, the one who wanted to expand their illegal business while Marty kept wanting to pull back. Marty was also the guy who, when his wife Wendy would do terrible things to people, he was the one who would always go and apologize. He was the one, he was the one who would go and talk to Ruth and say he's sorry. He, I don't know. I, I got a completely different take on that. Yeah, maybe I think you may be misreading what I'm saying in a sense. I, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying in the part of Marty doing this for the family, but it's when that point where he gets to where he's captured by the cartel and they ask you, what do you want? He changes back to what he really was. Which no, no. He explains that. He says that he's realized the best thing for his family is to go deeper into the cartel and to work with the cartel because otherwise he thought they were all going to be dead. It was like his last resort, his last choice. But, the, but his motivations, and they showed him that that whole episode is about his motivations. What does he care about? And it's that, it's that entire sequence when he's in the past dealing with that arcade machine where he can't win. He tried so hard and hard and just understood that the system was rigged and he wanted to fix the system to make sure he can win. And once he, I think once they hit that point where he realizes that and he tells that to 
um, the head guy. I don't even know if they we named the head guy on the drug cartel. I don't know if they. Yeah, Navarro. Navarro. He's another huge, and we'll get to him. But he's a, yeah. another huge. He's really the biggest character in season three, in my. Oh, opinion. absolutely. Um, but when he when he gets to Navarro and finally tells him what he wants and what he wants, what what does he care about? He cares about winning. That's- no, no, he told him that because that's what Navarro wanted to hear. He he doesn't believe that. He knows that if he doesn't tell Navarro that he wants to win, that. He, well, we're going to spoil the whole end if we go any further down that path. And I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> no, that, I totally get you. But I think I, I'm, I'm agreeing with like saying he He wants, had no choice. But He's his, like, it's either I die him. or I tell him what he wants to hear. No, and I get it. And the thing is like him wanting to win, not necessarily is for his own, like his own personal gain includes his family. So he wants to win to make sure that everybody's pr- protected. So I'm not saying that he's doing this as his own personal gain as in the sense of, you know, it's all about the money for himself. This is about what his personal stuff is, which is his family is part of that collateral. And yep. so he's doing what it takes to protect the family. And I think Wendy is more of a character this season, more than ever has shown that it's not in a sense that she's doing it for herself. It's more of a sense that she wants to be noticed. She wants to be, she wants it's, to not she's, be the it's one It's all the about her. It is all about herself. <laughs> yeah. She like, doesn't she, want, she doesn't want to be the one in the background anymore. You got to remember too that the in the first season you discover she's having an affair. You know, yeah. that's how the whole show kicks off is that he discovers that she's been cheating on him. I mean, it, from the beginning, she hasn't really cared all that much about her family. And in this season, she, her decision-making puts her family in peril over and over and over again. Um, yeah, and I think more towards the end, then they finally realize of she realizes a bit of what she's done and what she needs to do to change. And we'll, and there's so only, many other only after her family learns the truth. And yeah. again, we'll get to like what she does here shortly. Let's talk about Navarro though, because Navarro was mentioned in season two, but never shown. And they he's a huge part of season three. Um, you know, there's that theory that sometimes showing the monster kind of ruins everything. Um, how do you feel about that in regards to Navarro? Do you think it was smart to kind of reveal him in such a, a thorough manner after he was just kind of the shadowy figure from the season before? I, I think it makes sense. And I kind of like it because, you know, he is, uh, he's, he's the head. I mean, he's the head of the thing. So for someone like that, you can't just get instant access to somebody like that. And so having them go through channels before reaching the head monster also helps show how dig of a rabbit hole they've dug for themselves and how deep they are in this and how they need, how serious the situation turns. And I think it just adds to that. Uh, yeah, is, I'd is agree like with that. The big scary monster. Not really. Like, I mean, I'm ner- I'd be nervous around the guy if I was trapped by him, of course, but um, as a character, uh, you know, he kind of, had a relationship in a sense with Wendy of revealing more than what you think he would reveal. And then once Wendy was like, well, I thought this was more of a partnership. He's like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, I own you. Don't you dare try to turn this on me. Uh, kind of really showed, you know, the human side of him, but also the side of this is business and I'm going to do yeah. what it takes to get my business running. Now, another character that was in season two and had a big part in season three is Helen Pierce. Uh, that is, I love Helen, by the way, she is my favorite. She's character. a good character. Uh, she is for lack of a better phrase. She is Navarro's right hand woman. She handles, she's a lawyer. So she handles a lot of the legal stuff that he gets caught up in. Um, she also, I don't know how you would describe her relationship with the birds. I guess she's just watching them to make sure they don't screw up. <laughs> 
Uh, it, yeah, she's been, Navarro has sent Navarro her to basically basically babysit the birds to make sure that they're not doing things incorrectly, that they're not drawing attention. And when they do draw attention, she's their lawyer to represent them. Um, and she was, again, just kind of this cold, stone cold character in season two. But in season three, she actually moves to the Ozarks and moves her daughter in with her. And I feel like I didn't understand why it was happening when it was happening, that they were humanizing her. Um, and get making you, I don't know, it cracked the veneer a little bit to see her interact with her daughter and see that she actually was a normal human being in one part of her life, even though she was this cold, calculated, literally killer in her other life. Um, and then they humanize her. They make you kind of care about her. You kind of see a little bit of humanity in her. Yeah, because um, she's dealing with the same issues of not understanding her daughter. Like, it's just yeah. a parent issue that parents deal with. And they it's can like, relate it doesn't to. matter how powerful you are. Sometimes you just can't relate to somebody, and that's human. And some of the best scenes in season three were where, because she had connected with the birds, even though she was there to watch them, and she was reporting back to Navarro about what they were doing, because she spent so much time with them and their family and her daughter was around her family, her daughter became friends with Charlotte, their daughter. Um, because of that, some of the best scenes from season three was watching those two families try to navigate that relationship. Uh, we act, we're like probably the best friends each of us has. Our kids are friends, but I still may have to kill you at some point. At some point. And that tension, there were four or five scenes in season three where that exact tension was built and just some of the best scenes from, from the whole run, I think. Yeah. Especially like the, it's just like the simple moments of Helen coming in for a cup of coffee in the morning yet turns into a, a business meeting where it's like, I'm going to chop your head off if you don't do something right in about. Yeah. You just never knew what was going to happen because the whole thing was so volatile the entire time. Yeah. The tension in the room was definitely there. And I think it even add a bigger dynamic with the kids um, and it kind of had a kids kind of had a grown up moment where like Helen's daughter doesn't know what she does, but the kids do. Yeah. And so that dynamic, that whole dynamic crazy. too, like I, I, that's another plot thread that I thought wasn't very well explored was sort of the whole kids hanging out on the lake in the boats thing. Like it, that whole plot thread felt a little flimsy, but, but it served a purpose. And that was to make us care about Helen. Another character I found myself caring about a whole lot in season three was a new character, uh, Ben Davis. Ben is Wendy Bird's brother uh, who shows up and ends up living with the birds uh, and also kind of serves as a almost a proxy for the older man that was living with them when they first had moved into their house in season two. Uh, he died in season two. What was his name again? I can't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. I just know he worked for uh, the mafia, like the mafia group. Well, he had been living in the house before they moved in there. And yep. then through the course of time, they grew close to him. And then he dies near the end of season two. So Ben, Wendy's brother, basically just moves in in his place down in the basement. And uh, just like the old man who lived there, Wendy's son, Jonah, ends up having a relationship with him as, you know, kind of a mentor for him because his dad's never around because Marty's too bad laundering, too busy laundering money. Um, so Ben moves in. Ben is, has a, has bipolar disorder and you don't, it's not really revealed right at the beginning when you first meet him. Um, but over time it, it is revealed and the actor who plays Ben does an amazing job. There's one scene I remember when he's riding in the car and he's just going manic and, 
personally, I was pretty close to someone who had bipolar disorder and the actor just nails it. Uh, just the, the fleeting thoughts that bipolar people have, the ir irrationality that bipolar people have, the, the mood swings where you go from feeling the best you ever have in your life to the worst you ever have in your life in like half a second. All of that, man, he just, he just nailed it. Um, and I but, think the most important thing with that element with him, and, and I've worked with people with disabilities for the last five years. So, I mean, I've, I've seen multiple kinds of disabilities, including multi-person, these type of uh, in, intellectual disabilities. And so he nails it for sure. And I think the, the part that makes it so, he nails it so well is that, you know, the, the, the issue that comes into play with it is that most of the time it's their logic makes sense. But the social aspect of how they go about the issue is that's exactly not right. Correct. And because so, the person that I used to know, she would go on these tirades about stuff. Like she'd get really bent out of shape over just the most random thing. Like uh, it's Martin Luther King Day, and she doesn't feel like people are celebrating it like they should be. She would just go off on the deep end. But she made sense. Like if you actually listen to what she said, it all actually made sense. But when you listen to her and watch her try to share it with you, she looks like and acts like a raving lunatic. So you're absolutely right. That's, that is how they act. And he nails it. In, with Helen. In this. Clearly that scene yeah. with Helen. That's, that's the scene basically in your example of real life. That's an example that they used in the, in the show is when he told her and, his daughter, and the daughter's right there and he's just trying to tell her like, your mom's a bad lady. Like, yep. like he's telling her the truth, yep. but it's just not the right person. Yeah, they don't, they, they the have right lack the ability to understand what's appropriate in, in any given situation. Like she, like this oh, girl, I knew she would just blurt stuff out, like, and it was true, but she would just blurt it out in situations where she shouldn't. And he does that. Yeah. Which, we, but the thing we have to frame it is that it's appropriate in our social construct of how our society views as socially acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ben becomes a part of the family. He also meets Ruth, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and they fall in. For him really quick is they do make one reference to him before he gets there that season. And that was when uh, Jonah was killing animals. Oh. And they were going to shoot up a school, a school like her brother. Oh, so that was right. one reference they made in season one of him. So that when he comes into play, they're really nervous about him. Yeah, he has, certainly has a reputation. You could tell that they're like, they don't really want him there. Marty kind of goes back and forth and tells him he wants him to leave. Uh, but Wendy ends up convincing, convincing him to let him stay. And so he becomes a part of the family. He falls in love with Ruth, who is probably the most popular character from season two. And we'll talk about her in a minute, like I said. And she won an um, Emmy for it, so good for her. Yeah, and well-deserved. She was, she was amazing in season two. Um, but the problem with Ben is that he's bipolar and he's unpredictable. And in the environment the birds are working in, there's no room for mistakes. You make a mistake, someone's dead or everyone's busted. Or, you know, there's just, you have to be able to trust and rely on people. And the problem with Ben was that he was caught up with all these people who were doing so many bad things. And he, he did what we just talked about, what bipolar people do. He said the wrong things at the wrong times. He had no self-control. He said the wrong things to the wrong people. And eventually, it all bubbles up into one of the most excruciating 10 or 15 minutes of a TV show I think I've ever experienced in my life. So 
here's a big time spoiler. So if you have not watched this and you're like, wow, this talk so far makes me want to watch it, you should just stop listening right now. Um, so it comes to a point where, as Mitch had mentioned, he had started blurting things out to people and people wanted him dead. And so Wendy took him away and tried to get him out of the Ozarks uh, to keep him, in all honesty, from being killed. Um, and in, through, in the course of the drive, a number of things happen where she she realizes that there's no good answer and they stop at a because he did things to like buy a phone to call the person to apologize so like he, right he's constantly trying to mess it up he's like he's trying to do the right thing but he keeps messing it up he buys like a track phone at a gas station and makes a phone call to someone he shouldn't make a phone call to and that was the final straw um, so they stop at a roadside inn. They sit, they go inside and they're having dinner. She asks him all these questions about what he wants to do with the rest of his life. And he goes to the bathroom and she gets up and leaves. And it's at that point that you realize that she has oh, you authorized. Mean, sorry, you mean the opposite. She goes, she says she has to go use the bathroom. And he's and never, that's right. That's right. And she leaves. And it's at that moment that you realize as the viewer that she has authorized the killing of her own brother. And that's hard enough. Just realizing that, I'm like, oh my God. Like, no, they're not, this show's not going to do this. This is not going to happen. And then it takes probably like seven minutes until it actually happens. So you're just sitting there just thinking about it. And she's crying and she's freaking out. And then the scene where he walks out of the restaurant and she's not there and the hitman starts walking up. It just, it just crushed me. Oh my God. Like I, I don't know, man, that was a really, really tough scene. Uh, yeah, it's really tough, but at the, uh, and, and it's just really hard to take in general. Cause it's like, you, you can understand. It's not his fault. It's not you know, his fault. He is just he is who he is. But you know, he really, he has a disorder that he cannot control, and it well, costs him his life. That, that he chooses not to control. Like, there is You're right. A, You're right. A, he he had stopped taking his medication. Yeah, which is very very important for people who are bipolar. Yeah. So I mean, there's that, and then also with him, you know, she tried. I mean, she really tried. I mean, you could see it constantly through her face of her. You know, she got mad at him the one time because they were sleeping in the parking lot in the car. And then he got up and left and talked to an officer. And she's yeah. like, okay, like, let me breathe. Let me try to man manage this situation. And then next he buys the phone. And I think she finally, and, I, and where I can understand where she's coming from, she finally realized, like, even if I took him somewhere, even if I tried to hide him, I don't think I can stop him from making a mistake. Oh, yeah, he still would have bought a phone and called someone and did something stupid. I mean, she was put in a position where she didn't have a choice, but the she, she was put in that position because of the choices that she had made. You know, if she wasn't working with a Mexican drug cartel, then her brother's life wouldn't be in danger in the first place. So I mean, there's it's just the whole thing is just so twisted. Like I said, like one of the hardest watches and the – I mean, look, it's masterful the way they handled it because it just killed me. But man, they could have chopped a couple minutes off of that wait for it to happen. It was just excruciating. I, I, I get it. But at the same time, I think it makes the moment after when Wendy has such uh, remorse for what she a has done. A breakdown, it, yeah. Her breakdown, I think it just makes it that much more um, understanding and, and much more interesting to watch because 
you fully can feel the feelings that she's feeling as she's walking away. Because even though she's walking away and she's allowing this to happen, those seven, those minutes that you're feeling those emotions, those are the same emotions she's feeling. And that's oh, yeah. a great television. That's when it's it really, makes you really powerful. Feel it. Yeah, it really was, man. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I can't even put into words how that scene affected me. And then from there, that, that moment, man, so much crazy stuff plays out from there. Oh, it, it was like hundred miles an hour after that. Yeah. Because well, what, what ends up happening is the rest, you know, she comes back, doesn't really share exactly what happened. And, then eventually people do find out that Ben is dead, but then you know they're supposed to believe that they found him because uh, he had used the phone and the hitman tracked him down from the phone when in fact she had authorized the hit. But then eventually the kids do find out because the son Jonah goes after Helen with a shotgun, the lawyer, and basically is about to kill her. And then she tells him the truth that it was in fact his mom that had authorized his best friend really to be killed. And then well, his second best friend, his first best yeah. friend. I think his name was had Buddy. died already. I think it was Buddy. Was the <laughs> that guy. was it, yeah. Uh and then he he so he was so it's such an interesting character with Jonah because he's like he realizes the kid has gone through hell. Yeah, he, I mean hell. He's, he's been picked on and so the first person to finally understand him, which was Buddy, dies. And so he's trying to find that new person. And, it's ben. and, it's, and it's ben and then ben and ben kicks the curb like in that way and it's by just, his mom's hand i mean i think he realizes truly what his parents especially his mom is capable of because i think oh yeah entire series jonah has been a character i think jonah's gonna take a huge step in this the next season based off what they're we'll going. talk about the next season for sure before we sign uh, off. yeah for sure and uh so for him you know he kind of dilly dallied into the into the 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 work that they've done before so like he has his own accounts that he does money laundering through through a business yeah he has, has offshore accounts exactly and his, his family finds out about it and they start laundering money through the accounts <laughs> yeah so i mean so he's already, oh, he's going to be a little criminal mastermind no doubt about it yeah so i think the, the the most important thing out of that was he was kind of already putting his hands into the the cookie jar and then realizing that the cookie jar can bite back yeah, because uh, remember when the feds raided their house, they found a lunchbox that had like $4,000 in it. And that's what allowed them to bring Marty in for questioning in the first place. Yeah, because a sister wanted the $4,000 to buy uh, a truck. I mean, uh, yeah. and to be emancipated or something. Right, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yep. And so from there, one thing it does do, though, is once Wendy comes back from that tragedy, and drinks for like three days or whatever, it does kind of galvanize her and Marty together. Uh, Cause they both realize at this point, they're like, cause he, she's laying there drunk on the bed and he's like, I'll do whatever you want. Just tell me, do you want to run? Do you want to stay in this? Do you want to go all in? And they decide together that they're going to go all in. Um, and then it becomes the show shifts and it becomes this weird relationship where you know that both Marty and Wendy, the birds and Helen have called navarro and told him to cut the other one out because helen was trying to take over the casino operation from the birds the birds catch wind of it and then they call navarro and they're like look you need to cut we're ready to go all in you know i just basically killed my brother yeah, and they're, they're just like what can we do to one-up helen what can we do we can eliminate your competition for you yeah that's the only thing they could think of 
And so what happens is they oh, the best shot. Oh my god. Some of the this is the, so what happens the, is they they ever. go together to visit Navarro. And you have no idea what's happening. Keep in mind that Navarro had kidnapped Marty and and basically tortured him for a month earlier in the season. So well, also according to the FBI, the inclination was he was gonna die. Like they were gonna kill right. them both off because they tried to stop them from getting on the plane. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, they tried to keep the birds from going because they were sure that the birds were going to be killed. So they get on the plane anyway because they don't really have a choice. It's like, well, if we don't go, we're going to be killed. So they go, um, and then they land. And what I, you know, you're watching the episode and you're like, okay, this is they're going to get there, they're going to get settled in, and they're going to, you know, there's going to be some big meeting where they talk about everything, and then they get out of the SUV, they walk about three feet. And Navarro asked them how their trip was. And before he could finish his sentence, one of his henchmen pulls out a gun and shoots Helen in the head. And, and like, can I just say, what a beautiful <laughs> moment, a beautiful shot. Like, because this oh, shot, man. if you have not watched the show, holy cow, if there's anything you should watch cinematically, this shot is phenomenal. Like, I've Oh, never, my God. He just comes out of nowhere. Because well, like the, the security guy walks by her off frame, and then all of a sudden the gun comes into in frame. In frame, yeah. And just the side where you barely catch it. You, I had to watch it a second time to make sure I, like, was seeing it correctly and just shoots Helen and the blood splashes the sideways brains splatter all over the birds and and they're just standing there with brains all over them and Navarro walks up and hugs them and basically says welcome to the family (laughs) (laughs) wow and that's it there was no background music in that shot like I I also went back immediately and watched it again and then ended up watching it like five more times just to kind of see the timing and how they shot it and everything just wow what a way to end a season (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh yeah like and and the season and then also you know for Helen I was just like I just remember the one moment I remember in Helen from the season was when Marty got taken uh she talked to that henchman that shot her ended up uh, shooting, and she said you know are you gonna give me the call like are you gonna give me a heads up if I right. get all about me getting knocked off and he's like of course and he didn't but that's what's so great about this show. There's all these little things that if you start paying attention, all tie together. Like the brother, Ben. Like, they actually mentioned him last season, you know? And I hadn't picked up on it, but you did. There's all kinds of little threads, and almost all of them always pay off. Uh, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that this season was great. I mean, I would say, yeah, it, it was great. And I think also, you know, people i've always heard the biggest complaint about season one they're like it's super slow and it's like yes it is slow but it's slow because it's setting up all these characters so these little moments that happen even the littlest moments or the big moments affect each character so drastically different and affects their motivations affects what they what they have to do and that completely changes the dynamics of the show the characters and their emotional connections to each other that makes the show so great like it's just Oh, so good. Yeah, we still don't even talk about um, Darlene. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I mean, we, the Snells. we talked about Ruth. Yeah, well, and actually, let's talk about her now, because what I want to say about Ruth is that she was completely underused in this season. Um, she does have some meaning towards the end of the season, because what happens is she is running Marty's casino. That's her, her role in this season. Um, and she's there while the FBI is there and she's, you know, helping him launder money as carefully and ruthlessly as she can. 
Um, but towards the end of the season, there's basically a falling out because in the season before, she had killed the father of her best friend, Wyatt. And a big part of this season is her trying to make amends with Wyatt. And Wyatt has shacked up <laughs> with Darlene Snell, who killed her husband in season two, poisoned him as he was trying to kill her because she had become like Ben, someone who was a wild card and couldn't be trusted. And he was going to kill her. He took her out into the woods and then she poisons his coffee and he dies instead. She's like 60 or something. And she's with Wyatt, this like 20 year old kid who is also Rue's best friend and she had killed his dad. So she ends up like becoming a part of their organization. And Darlene Snell at the end signs a deal with Frank Cosgrove. Is that his name? Cosgrove? Something like that. Yeah, I think it's Cosgrove. And basically what's happening and what I think a big part of season four is going to be is it's going to be the Birds and Navarro versus Darlene Snell, Ruth, and Cosgrove. And, you, and I understand when you would think that, you know, Ruth was underused, but I think it's slightly, that's the whole point. You know, for her, it's realizing how unimportant she is to the overall arching uh, uh, cartel. Because as the cartel gets bigger, her responsibilities get slightly bigger, but she is still not in the mix. Like, she doesn't even know who Navarro is. Like, she just knows of the name. She doesn't know the, she hasn't seen the person. She never heard the person. Yet she does as much dirty work as Marty does. Not, I mean. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Marty's <laughs> bigger picture. Um, but more of the down and dirty. Ruth is doing more of the down and dirty. She does the day to day stuff. She's so, she's doing the laundering of the money every day on the casino floor. You know, yeah, and so it shows how. Una- and so when she ended up having to try to run the thing herself, when Marty got captured, she ended up figuring out that oh my gosh, I can't do this. Um, I think she was kind of pushed aside a little bit, and then when she got hurt, and they wouldn't kill the guy um, because. Yeah, that was a tipping point. Uh, it was the tipping point to realize I'm not that important to you. Or, or in a sense, probably not as important to Wendy. Marty, I think, feels uh, as if she's like another daughter to him. Yeah, that relationship was is always good to watch. But I don't think it was to the point where Marty could take the side of Ruth at that moment. And he just, at the moment, he's like, I need to think about the bigger picture. And unfortunately your needs are not in that category at this moment. So, And then remember, Darlene, to gain her allegiance, goes and shoots the guy in who the crotch. had beat her up <laughs> in the crotch with a shotgun. He's still alive, though. <laughs> yeah. And that is Cosgrove's son. It's Frank Jr. Um, and she, the crazy part is that Darlene manages to forge that alliance with Frank Sr., even though she had shot his son in the junk because she had set up the situation in such a way and manipulated things to where he was pretty much left without a choice. So, But I also think uh, uh, Frank Sr. truly thinks that Frank Jr. is not the greatest kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, and, he's and well she, aware that Frank Jr. is supposed to be up. untouchable. So, you know, yeah. he already broke the rules. So it's, well, it's, see, that's the thing with Ruth. Ruth was supposed to be untouchable. No, that's what I said. That's what I, oh, that's what oh, I thought, Ruth, Well, well they mean, both were. That's the thing. And Frank were, Jr. So. broke the trust because exactly. Frank, he wasn't supposed to be untouchable as well. So, yeah. So, again, just another thread with a crazy payoff with her shooting him in the crotch with a yeah, shotgun. I think the big thing overall was at the end of the season, Ruth felt like she had purpose again. 
Yeah. And so I yeah. think it's well, seen- she had rekindled her relationship with Wyatt, which was really important because she had killed yeah. his dad and probably thought she'd never have a relationship with him again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also was, you know, basically Darlene Snell told her, you know, I'll give you the power you won't get with Marty and the birds. So it's and- going to be a showdown. I think that's what season four is going to be all about. These two groups going after each other in the Ozarks. Uh, it doesn't, seem as exciting to me as uh maybe the first three seasons but you know i'll be there to watch that for sure <laughs> yeah i i think it, i think season four is gonna be you know i think we finally get to see the real because now that they're part of the family the the birds are part of the navarro family it's in a sense they are gonna have more tools in the toolbox and i just can't wait to see how marty and wendy play with them yeah, the reins will be off. You know, they don't have any competition anymore. You know, they can run the Ozarks pretty much however they want. And they have tons of resources from Navarro. It'll be interesting. But, um, you know, what really makes this show sing to me are the relationships with the characters, the great writing and the great acting. And oh my gosh. regardless of what actually happens in the plot, I feel like the show is always going to have those elements, and which means it's always going to make it great. Um, Exactly. I, I just want to say a shout out of how about that, uh, <laughs> that guidance counselor, not guidance yeah, counselor. the guidance okay. counselor that was taking bribes from both of both them. Sides. And then, and then when they give her the real money, she buys a really nice car. She and drives shows like up. a Ferrari. <laughs> and she shows up in their front door and Helen's like, where'd she get that? <laughs> yep. And then it costs her her life buying that Ferrari cost well, her her life. Technically not really. It was more of Helen when she went to go talk to Helen. She's like, I could use some more money. That's when she kind of sealed it. Cause I don't think Helen was, but there gonna- was a line later on where someone said something about her buying the car was like, you know, she deserved it. You buy a car like that when you live in a house that's worth less than the car. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to draw some attention to yourself. Very much so. But I, uh, get, getting into kind of mentioned a little bit of season four, I have saw an interview with, uh, Jason Batham, who's a, who's a producer on the Bateman. show. Um, uh, Bateman. Yes. Uh, and he's a producer on the show. He's also directed a few episodes. He has an Emmy for, um, this show has two Emmys. So one, he's with- also the star he's Marty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the second season, he did take a step back cause I think he didn't think the show was going to be as successful, but once it started to win a couple Emmys, I think he was like, I need to get back in the back in the mix in season three. And I'm so happy he did, but he did do an interview and said that the show doesn't have the show. He doesn't plan the show to last longer than it needs to so he's mm-hmm. like i'm fine pulling the plug whenever we feel like the story is done so he said if that's four or five seasons that's how long the show is going to be so that's why it's going to get this, at least one more that's for sure that's why i put this question in there on our notes because in the notes i was like is this what are your thoughts of what if this is done after four seasons like that what this season is the final season I mean, it could be. I mean, let's be honest. They tied up a lot of loose ends with the end of season three. A lot of characters were eliminated. A lot of things that were muddy were made very clear. Um, So, you know, they're basically starting over with a brand new plot line for season four. And either it's going to be awesome and it's going to spur on another two seasons or it's going to fizzle and it could be the last. But we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But regardless, amazing show. All three seasons have been incredible. Um, If you listen to this and you haven't watched the show, go watch it. I don't know why you would listen to this if you haven't, but there might be a few. This is on like um, one of my top 10 to 15 best shows. Like, uh, oh, I, I have it higher than that uh, for sure. It's definitely it, on that But list. it's hard for me to convince people to watch it, just like it's very hard for me to convince people to watch Bloodline, which is another amazing character writing, actor driven show on Netflix. Um, I've re- I can't tell you how many times I've recommended it, but 
probably one out of every five people I tell to watch it actually watch it. (laughs) That is that star the guy who was the football coach in Friday Night Lights. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I I I feel like I tried to watch that once. Oh, you've got to. It's all. It's also all about family. It's a family that lives in like South Florida, the Florida Keys, and they're very powerful family in town, and they get mixed up in a bunch of crazy stuff. And that's all I'm gonna say. But it's it's amazing. But also, like the first season of Ozark. The first season of Bloodline, the first couple episodes take a little while. It's a slow burn. Again, like you said, building characters and making you care about the cast, but also amazing. If you like Ozark, go watch Bloodline. You won't regret it. All right, so that's it for Spoiled for season three of uh, Ozark uh, here on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Hope you guys enjoyed it and hope you enjoyed season three like we did. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you'd like to help us out with uh, some cash in our Patreon, that would be sweet. You can find that at patreon.com slash sifted, or you can also subscribe via Twitch Prime and give us a couple bucks for free every month. No skin off your butt whatsoever. So you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. Uh, we'll be back probably talking Final Fantasy VII, I think. I'm still plotting along on that game i think i'm going to finish it and we'll probably be back to discuss all that stuff when we're ready so until then we'll see you next time for sports